Welcome to Audacious Water, the podcast about how to create a world of water abundance for everyone. I'm John Sabo, director of the Bywater Institute at Tulane University. On today's show, corporations play a huge role in water consumption globally. So where is corporate water stewardship today, and where is it going? We kick off a four-part series on the topic with Nick Martin of the Antia Group and Executive Director of the Beverage Industry Environmental Roundtable. Coming up, I talk with Nick about how companies are making a difference in water stewardship within their four walls, the false division between corporate energy and water use, and why what you use inside your four walls is often just a drop in the bucket compared with outside opportunities. back. Today I have with me Nick Martin. Nick Martin has two titles. First, he's Executive Director of Beer, which is the Beverage Industry Environmental Roundtable. And second, he's the Sustainability Practice Lead for the Antea Group. And today I'm going to be interviewing Nick about water stewardship within the four walls at the site level facility. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. Appreciate it. Cool. So what are the basics? What can a company in food and how can they make a difference within the four walls? Yeah, I mean, the basics, there's a lot of like block and tackling, you know, within a facility. We often think about it as like the top 10. So top 10 water stewardship, top 10 energy, waste, et cetera. One of the things I always try to encourage a company is to kind of step back first before you just dive into doing actions and, and kind of think about what you're trying to accomplish as, you know, water stewardship. And you know, one thing for food and beverage specifically, but it applies to really any industry, is this definition we put together as beer. We call it our corporate water stewardship framework, and we built it in 2008. Um, we're actually updating, I think this is our fourth version of it. We'll publish in, in about a month or so, but it, it provides a framework which the relevance to the facility is it starts with direct operations. Like as a company, you really need to have your own house in order. You need to be walking the talk. But then it goes into supply chain, into understanding the watershed context, engaging with the community and doing collective action, and then advocacy and and transparency and disclosure. You know, it's kind of concentric circles. But if you think about within the four walls, I mean, that walking the talks, you know, the key part. And, you know, we think of common things like find and fix leaks. You're in a facility every day. You just forget it. You walk right by it and you've noticed it's been leaking for a year. But it's, it's just you think, well, that's just how it is. But, you know, that's a big one. And that changes kind of the culture of housekeeping and just keeping your eye out for, you know, why is water going down that drain? Why is it leaking from that piece of equipment and fixing it versus just, you know, getting to it later? Seems so simple, but the same thing happens at our houses, right? Oh, absolutely. You let it go for months, if not years. And then, you know, cleaning is a big one of food and beverage. You can optimize that with clean in place, a lot of new technologies, you know, a lot of products that don't require water. Cooling towers are big, boilers are big. Those are areas where you can reuse water over and over again and kind of optimize it. And then, you know, landscape and irrigation, that's one of the ones you definitely want to look at because it's so front and center. You know, somebody drives by your facility and sees this immaculate garden in front of your facility in the middle of a drought. That doesn't send the right signal or, or kind of reputation. And then, you know, it's really just that culture. We call it kind of our our three R's. There's really a fourth R of you know, reduce water wherever you can, you know, reuse it, optimize every drop, and then, you know, recycle it as well. The recycling is a hard one because it requires some treatment or chemicals, but, 
you know, if you think about it in that kind of structure, that that's the culture you want. You know, a lot of facility engineers know how to do it. They just have to be kind of empowered or enabled to own it. One of the big barriers we found is kind of justifying investments because a lot of people think of water as being so cheap. So they focus on energy first. But if you think about water and kind of what we call the true cost of water, that's that's one of the best things a company can do because you think about, you know, you gotta you gotta pump water from a well or from a you know municipality uses energy. You gotta treat water with chemicals, filters, and so on. There's a cost involved there. You gotta heat it and cool it. There's costs involved there. So if you think about like that embedded cost of water, that helps you really justify. So if that water is going down the drain, you thought it cost a dollar, but it costs five dollars a gallon. That starts to change the the thought process from a business. That's cool. And that's where we need to get to. Make it equivalent to energy because there's a lot of connections between the two. Well, I was going to ask a follow-up question about that, which is slightly off script, but that's great. And that's how do you, with companies that have sort of divided houses with carbon and water, energy and water, how do you, how do you get that conversation going? You know, we do it from our consulting, kind of putting the consulting hat on is we'll go do an energy assessment, but we'll point out water savings. You know, we'll say, if you do this, and one of the best connections is a lot of times water has been heated and a pipe can run through a room and heat a room up enough to make it comfortable, right? So right. you don't need to then heat that room. So really, it's just calling out where those connections are. But at the end of the day, every facility has their annual budget for CapEx or OpEx, and they've got to make tough choices. You can't do everything. Right. Um, you just don't have the time. You don't have the expertise. You can't you know, impact production. And that's the trick is... How do you optimize the facility and the process lines while still producing your product at the right quantity, quality, and, and speed? Yep. That's the nature of business. They're in business to be in business. So what I'm getting from this is that while there are some rules of thumb, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies when you go site by site. That Absolutely. That you on the fly. Yeah, and we, we, you know, that's, what, that's what beer formed. That's why we formed back in 2006 because – there were organizations like the UN or World Bank putting out these benchmarks saying a brewery should, you know, use X liters of water to produce Y liters of beer. And the reality is, is you've got a brewery that could be 200 years old, and then you've got a brewery that's one day old and state of the art. Like you just can't compare those, right? Every facility is, is different and unique. So there are context-based water targets within the four walls as well. Oh, yeah, because some facilities produce multiple beverages. So you're, you're changing out lines and you're running batches to make sure it's processing right. And all those things take more time and attention and resources. But consumers want variety. They want a variety of beverages or food, right? So let's take a little bit outside of the box here, outside of the four walls. How do companies compare what they're doing inside the facility to the rest of their value chain? You talked about value chain before. And I guess what I'm getting at is, is it the biggest drop in the bucket within the four walls piece? And I'm not saying that critically, because I yeah. think we could think about that both from the quality and the quantity standpoint. So how do we compare drops in the bucket? It's a good one. It's a great question. I mean, for food and beverage specifically, what you use in your facilities is a drop in the bucket. If you think about your full value chain. So if you think about raw materials you source for your products, all the packaging and, you know, developing and producing and manufacturing the packaging, the distribution of product, and then the end use and disposal, there's a lot of intensity there that can be addressed and, and, and go after. And this has been a little bit of a dilemma because you could continue to drive down your efficiency at all your facilities until you get it as close to one as possible, one liter of water for one liter of product. But there's a lot of diminishing returns there, right? Because you're putting a lot of time and attention into that. 
with all these other opportunities. And so agriculture, there's huge opportunities to influence agriculture still around water. But, you know, the reality is, is you, you got to be, again, you can't have a double standard. You got to be walking the talk. You know, doing efficiency within your own operations creates the culture that you want in your company. And it demonstrates that you're genuine about it. So if I was a company going to my suppliers saying, thou shalt do X, Y, and Z on water, and I'm not even doing it myself at my own facilities, good luck, right? That's not going to go over very well. And, you know, we live in such a transparent world that people are going to kind of figure that out. Um, But, you know, from a volume standpoint, it, it really is kind of a drop in the bucket. And, you know, at what point do you say, hey, let's just maintain this optimal kind of, because it's almost like maintain, and I always say your body weight, right? You get to a certain weight and you could go lower and lower and lower, but that's not necessarily a healthy thing, right? And so, you know, it, it fluctuates a facility. Sometimes they're producing more, sometimes they're shut down for maintenance. And so you want to kind of stay within that zone is what what I've been trying to encourage a lot of clients. That's neat. Let's flip that and talk about quality as a drop in the bucket, because it's probably a different conversation, right? We think about the impact that a facility or site can have versus the whole value chain. Yeah. I mean, especially within a facility, I mean, within food and beverage, there's a lot of food safety regulations that have to be followed. And so it requires the use of water. So it kind of, it opposes being efficient with water because you have to use a certain amount. And so I think there's opportunities there where we get to a point where we feel comfortable using reused water, recycled water for some of those applications. But currently you you just can't really do that. It can't touch the product. So I think there's big opportunities there. And I think, you know, psychologically, I think we're getting closer to that where people are getting more comfortable with, you know, reused or recycled water because the reality is all water has been used over and over and over. You talked about, you know, back in the dinosaur days, like, <laughs> you know, all water, there's very little water that's that's absolutely pristine at this point. Right. But then the discharge, I mean, that's one of the things beer is really focused on this last year is, you know, a lot of facilities, they take water, they use water, they discharge water, very linear. But there's opportunities there to think, what could I do with my wastewater? Could I could I recycle it and use it back in my facility? Could I use it for the landscape or cleaning trucks and so on? Could you share it with a, a neighboring industry, you know, where they then use your discharge or put it back into the environment? And there's a lot of opportunity there. And that's something we're really focused on is where is that allowed currently? Where is it not? And how do we promote more of that? Because, you know, it's kind of one of the few untapped resources out there. If you think about water sources. Well, and I think it's interesting because I think probably in pet chem and, and in petroleum industry, it's a hot topic, right? I mean, produced water is a big deal. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Right. And with technology, you know, just trying to figure out how to reuse it locally. I mean, that's the hardest part. Is you can't really transport water very well. And, you know, right. it's very expensive. Right. All right. Last question. Standards. Tell me about standards and how they apply here? You mentioned it earlier. Yeah, there's quite a few standards. There's more and more guidelines, things that you can't necessarily be certified against, but it gives you a way to go about it, a way to be credible and and a way to approach it. Some of the certification guidelines, I mean, there's some context water targets guidelines out there. Some new ones were published with WWF and, and I believe Pacific Institute were involved as well. And then there's a lot of guidelines, again, around food quality, food safety, that are very, very relevant to facilities. And that's critical, right? You got to make sure you protect people and, and, and protect your products. So that's a lot of information. How does, I mean, how do you deal with that 
as a site manager, for example. It's got to be overwhelming. And we talk about that with a lot of companies coming into corporate water stewardship now. There's so much out there. Unfortunately, we keep producing more and more and more. What we've tried to do with beer is just start to map it. What guidelines are relevant to incoming raw materials or agriculture, to your water sourcing, to you know your inside the walls, and then your discharge? We, we've tried to kind of map those, where those all fit together, because they do fit together like a puzzle, but it's, it's really not clear unless you live and breathe it, you know, like I kind of do every day, but most people don't and plant managers definitely don't, right? Because <laughs> their job is, you know, to maintain the facility, the safety of people, get the product out the door. And now they're expected to be sustainability experts as well. There's a lot of guidance out there. I would just say there's a lot more now than there was five years or 10 years ago. It sounds like beer is kind of the go-to organization for making sense out of what could otherwise be a disparate set of information. Yeah, that's our mission. We try to be very transparent. We try to publish everything we do because it's made for the beverage sector and made by the beverage companies, but it's relevant to any sector. I mean, a lot of these things are very similar. Right. All right. Well, that was super interesting. Thanks a lot for joining us and thanks for uh, telling us your story. No, thanks for the invite. Look forward to the finished product. Thanks for everybody. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Dan. That's it for this episode of Audacious Water. If you like the show, please rate or review us and tell your colleagues and friends. For more information about Audacious Water, visit our website at audaciouswater.org backslash podcast. Until next time, I'm John Sable.